welcome back to crimefiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Wallace Strobey, the author of the gritty and highly entertaining Chris Stone novels, the fourth of which, The Devil's Share, was released on July 7th. Wallace, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Wallace, I love these books. I love I love the idea of crime fiction from the perspective of the criminal, but these are particularly good. Oh, thanks. Um, you were you were a newspaper writer for several years. I, I have a sense that you may have covered the crime beat at, at one time or another. Well, it's funny. You know, I started off. Um, I was in newspapers for twenty three years. First at the Asbury Park Press, and then at the Star Ledger of Newark, which is this. New Jersey's largest newspaper. And uh, I originally started out as a reporter and an overnight uh, crime uh, cop reporter. Uh And then I eventually became an editor. So in my 13 years at the Star-Ledger, I was an editor the entire time. But I knew all the guys that were doing uh, boots-on-the-ground crime coverage, including Mm -hmm. at that time we had three full-time organized crime writers on the uh, on the Star Ledger staff, and I knew all those guys well, and and they were, uh, you know, they were they were a great entree for me into that world, and also I sat in on a big drug trial for my third novel, Gone to November. So, all that stuff, even if I wasn't covering it, it was all accessible to me. Well. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting way of gathering information, and we'll get into this as we talk about some of the other books. But for me as a reader, uh, one of the things that's really fun about these books is uh, the detail that goes into planning the crimes, and it's just, mm-hmm. just fun to it's fun to read, and I bet it's fun to write too. Yeah, it can be a little tricky because uh, essentially you have to plot the crime out as the protagonist would be doing. You know, it has to work. Uh, and in the case of the Devil's Share, there was some technical stuff regarding cell phones and things like that, which uh, I had to find my way around cell phone towers and mm-hmm. all that. And, uh, you know, I tend to overcomplicate things sometimes. And I was trying to figure out a way to kill cell service from a particular tower for a 15-minute period while a crime was being committed. And I was trying to come up with all these ways of blocking signals and jamming signals and all this high-tech stuff. And I spoke with somebody who actually works in the industry and uh, to get some some feedback. And they said, no, no, just cut the power for 15 minutes. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, let's let's get started by, by talking about your protagonist. You mentioned her, uh, Chrissa Stone. She's just a, a fabulous character. So tell us about her, then we'll get into the book. Uh, well, you know, I always wanted to write a book from the point of view of a professional criminal. And I had done that a little bit in previous books. Uh, the Heartbreak Lounge, uh, about half of that is written from the point of an ex-con, a guy named Johnny Harrow. Uh, Gone to November, half of that's written from the point of view of an uh, aging black hitman. And I wanted to write a whole book from the point of view of a career criminal. And... I decided to make it a woman because that opened up all kinds of doors that made her somebody that was rather than a traditional lone lone wolf male protagonist, uh, that she would be someone that had relationships, that made alliances, that had connections to the world. And because of that, that's what interested me about it. And also the fact that she was kind of a self-made, she'd had a rough upbringing and, and, you know, she was kind of a self-made person. All that I found very, very interesting as it went along. 
and she's one of the most uh, understandably cautious people that I've ever read about. Oh, yeah, it's something we share. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, when, you go to, uh, when you go to someone's house to meet with them, you also refuse a drink because you don't want them to get your fingerprints? Yeah, and I'm always looking for exits. Yeah. <laughs> so, Krista, a career criminal, uh, she had worked with another guy for years, sort of in the past, before the first novel, and th- that provides some interesting color to her as a character and uh, th- some reasons for, for why she does what she does. She also has a daughter. Yeah. So tell us about that. Well... You know, I did. You can do a certain amount of research into that particular lifestyle. There's not a lot, but um, I was reading a book, a scholarly book, where they had interviewed a number of um, armed robbers going from like street level muggers to like high end industrial robberies. And in the case of the women that they interviewed, 99% of them had been brought into that life by a man, almost always somebody who was older, who had been a lover and or mentor. Uh, and so when I thought about that, that made sense. And so then automatically you've got a connection. Mm-hmm. So for the first Krista book, my idea was, okay, she has this lover mentor who's in prison, and she has an opportunity to speed up his parole by bribing some parole officers in Texas. But in order to do that, she has to raise a whole lot of money very quickly. So in order to raise the money, she will take on a job that she would normally maybe not have taken on. And so that relationship of her and her mentor in prison sets up the whole plot. And so that was interesting for me because then that's something that's coming out of character Mm -hmm. and behavior uh, and backstory, and at the same time, that's what's pushing the current plot. And it, it actually sort of pushes the series, uh, partially that and partially the, the issue with the daughter, but Krissa is someone who needs a lot of money. Uh, and it's not lifestyle money, it's, it's money for these other objectives. Yes. And so she's constantly on the lookout. Nah, that's bad phrasing, but uh, she, needs, she needs the work. And uh, even after the last book, <laughs> where it seemed like she might not need the work again for a while, yeah. she needs the work again. Well, it's funny because I think that in the course of the four books, there's been a certain amount of self-discovery, both for her and for me in writing about her. Um, in the first book, she's she's trying to set up this kind of normal life that she envisions. Mm-hmm. First book her, is Cold Shot to the Heart, cold right? Cold Shot to the Heart, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, once she gets her mentor lover out of prison, she envisions setting up this life for them where she's eventually going to gain custody of the daughter and everyone's going to live happily ever after. And that's sort of her motivation in that first book. And in the course of the four books, I think she realizes that's not going to happen. First of all, this guy's almost never going to get out of prison because of some things that have happened in subsequent books. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to realize that the idea of her taking on, you know, um, her daughter again and trying to make her life with her daughter is, given the lifestyle she leads, is is unrealistic. At the same time, in the third book, Shoot the Woman First, she um, becomes involved with with another little girl who has some uh, abusive, drug-taking parents. 
and sort of transfers a lot of that feeling onto that. And that's sort of what drives that book. Listeners are out there are like me and like books with really good characters. I mean, Krissa is such a rich character that it's always exciting for me when there when there is a new book. So let's let's talk specifically now about The Devil's Share. Kind of give us uh, your author's overview of The Devil's Share. Well, you know, the, the, the previous book, Shoot the Woman First, was was very much involved with her relationships uh, first, her relationship with one of her partners who's killed in the course of a robbery and whose family she tries to aid by bringing his share of the money to. And then her relationship with, with the partner's uh, little girl. Uh, with The Devil's Share, I intentionally wanted it to be more heisty. I wanted to actually... You know, the other books, it's usually prologue or aftermath. You know, what's what happens before the heist... Or what happens after the heist? Mm-hmm. And with the Devil's Share, I wanted to I wanted to plan out a heist. You know, I wanted to do the whole thing detail by detail. You know, like the killing or something like that, and and then set that in motion, and then see what the fallout from that was. So I intentionally wanted it to be more of a heist novel mm-hmm. uh, than the others. And then, the, as we said previously, then that involves you know plotting out stuff and. You know, uh, what kind of vehicle would work for this? Where would you get a vehicle if you needed it? Um, you know, all that very stuff. I was, I'm looking at maps. I'm looking at, you know, cell phone tower diagrams. I'm looking at all that stuff, which is kind of fun and also kind of scary because it's very easy to mess stuff up. And when you mess stuff up, the people that know that stuff, um, you know, it's it's a big stumbling block for them. And then there was other stuff with explosives and things like that, which I'm not terribly interested in, but have to be there for the purposes of the novel. And in this particular book, what's being stolen is unusual. It's not something that's small. It's not something that you can stick in your pocket. It's not cash. It's, it's something unusual. So the logistics of the whole thing... Um, take on a life of their own as well. So it's a really interesting heist. <laughs> yeah, you know, I became interested in uh, the theft of uh, antiquities from Iraq in the aftermath of the invasion. Uh, and I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to write about the big crime, you know, the theft of antiquities, mm-hmm. and then how that translates into a smaller crime, the hijacking of a truck, and that the person who stole those antiquities originally would also orchestrate the theft of their own stuff in order to circumvent having to return them. Now, uh, the main object that's being pursued uh, is something called the Lamassu, which is a Assyrian sphinx. And if you go online, you'll see many examples of them. Uh, I had seen one at the University of Chicago a few years back and was really impressed by it. It's 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 an incredible piece of statuary, uh, merging of a uh, a man and and a animal, and it's very impressive. And I wanted that to be since I'd actually seen it. Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be part of it. Now, when I did more research into those things, uh, I found that they're usually about 2,000 pounds. So the logistics of actually stealing that in a truck and getting it somewhere seemed a little too much. 
So I decided to invent a smaller version of that that was only 500 pounds, and that would be easier to take in a truck and on a ship and all that. So I had to fudge that a little bit. But the interesting thing is when I wrote the book, um, she has a conversation with the art collector who's orchestrating all this, who had originally stolen all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he his justification is that, you know, uh, I'm bringing it to keep it safe. And he cites at that time something that happened um, right before 9-11 where the Taliban had dynamited a bunch of ancient Buddhas that had been there for thousands of years. Uh, and he uses that as his example for what these what would happen to a lot of this stuff that was just left. Now, this was long before ISIS or anything like that when I wrote that book. Mm-hmm. And I saw in the course of the last two months that ISIS has been aggressively dynamiting and destroying um, artifacts in Iraq and Syria. So, uh, you know, strangely enough, he turns out to be right. <laughs> All right, you've mentioned... The third book of the series, Shoot the Woman First, a couple of times. I, I love that book. I, I love all the books in the series. But I've heard you tell an a interesting story about the title for that. Would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Yeah, well, the title comes from, uh, and this may be apocryphal, I don't know, but uh, when the, in the German anti-terrorism teams in um, Europe, especially, I think it's called G9, is their anti-terrorism team, uh, they teach them in the training that if they have multiple terrorist targets, if they're if they're rescuing a hostage or they're staging a raid, and there's multiple terrorists, to shoot the women terrorists first. The logic being that a woman has to be three times as motivated, three times as resourceful, and three times as tough to survive in that world. So they teach them shoot the women first, because also because a man might hesitate to shoot a woman. But those women will not hesitate to shoot a man. Mm-hmm. So, in multiple targets, shoot the women first. Now, I had thought of that title way back on the first book because it seemed to it seemed to apply to Krissa in her particular world. She had to be twice as resourceful and twice as smart and twice as tough to survive in the all male world of of crime. And I thought it, I thought the title worked, and I suggested it among other titles for the first book, and the feeling was vehement against it, uh, that it was misogynist, that it, you know it gave the wrong impression, and I understood all that, and uh, so I came up with another title, "Cold Shot to the Heart," which I liked, and that mm-hmm. was fine. I didn't have any regrets about that, but then when it came to the third book, uh, I still liked the title. And uh, I still thought it was a good title. And so I suggested it again. And this time, they liked it because we were three books down the road. The character had sort of been, you know, established. And there was less of a risk this time, although there has been controversy. Um, One of the models for an original version of the cover dropped out when she saw what the, when she found out what the title was. Really? Yeah. And we had to do another cover at the last minute. And I've gotten a little criticism about people who who didn't like the title, but they tend to be people who didn't read the book. Yeah, anybody anybody who's read any of the books would – it just makes perfect sense, especially when you hear the story. But I, I can understand how someone who doesn't read the books or doesn't read books like that in general uh, might not find it appealing. Yeah, I you know in one way it's anti-misogynist. 
Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, one last thing, and then I will let you go. We mentioned at the start of the show that you, you've been in the newspaper business for a couple decades, or, or you were in the newspaper business for a couple of decades. 23 years. All right. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to stretch it out that far. But yeah, it's amazing because I'm only 40. Yes, and a very young-looking 40 at that, if I, if I may say so. Why is it that so many great crime writers come out of the newspaper business? Uh, I, I, there's a lot of different reasons, but I think one of the reasons crime writers succeed who came out of the newspaper business is because they learn that writing is a job and it's a task. It's a joy and it's an art, but you also have to be able to do it. You have to be able to do it uh, with discipline. You have to be able to organize your material. You have to be able to write fast when you need to, um, you know, you have to have a thick skin in order to take criticism and take editing. So I think if you're coming out of the newspaper business and you've had any sort of, you know, career in that for mm-hmm. more than a couple of years, you have an enormous skill set that fits perfectly with writing fiction, specifically crime fiction. And certainly, you know, there's been a, you know, the, the, there's been a golden age of crime fiction since the 90s, and a lot of that has been driven by, you know, people who came out of the news business, Michael Connolly, Laura Littman, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots of people. So I think those those skill sets apply. And, you know, those two people, Michael Connolly and Laura Littman, are two of the most disciplined people I've ever met in my <laughs> life. You know, I, I'm in awe of them. And awfully prolific as well. And not not that they write... A ton of books. It's just that they consistently write books. Yes, they consistently write books, and um, they consistently write good books. Yes, yes, even even more challenging. Yeah, it. Believe me, it is. Well, Wallace, the Devil's Share certainly qualifies as a really good book. This whole series is fabulous. Um, what's the best way for people to keep up with you and your work? Well, I have the website. Uh, which, you know, I update as much as I can. And uh, Facebook is a little easier to update, so there's prob- <laughs> that's probably a little more current. I have a bunch of uh, mainly Northeast events coming up uh, to tour for the book. And then I'll be at BoucherCon in, in Raleigh, North Carolina in October, and possibly the Frankfurt Book Fair later that month in really? Germany. So, wow, yeah. you're, you're traveling. You're putting some miles on. Well, I have a German publisher for the first time. And um, they're, they, they're buying all the books, and the translated version of Cold Shot to the Heart is going to come out in October. I'm sorry, it's coming out in August. Mm-hmm. And they were planning kind of a splash at the festival and wanted to know if I wanted to come, so I'm considering that. Yeah, exciting stuff. Well, I will link to your website and your Facebook page in, in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for being here today. It's been a treat. Thank you, Stephen. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or a review. Those help other readers find great new books like The Devil's Share from Wallace Strobey. Thanks for listening.